It's Resurrection Sunday and Jesus is no longer in the grave. Amen. He conquered death, hell, and the grave for me and for you. And what a beautiful day it is to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you think about Easter, I don't know what you think about, but this is what I hope you connect to Easter. I hope you connect Easter to being the foundation stone of our faith. I hope you recognize that it's on Easter Sunday that everything that we have, everything that we hope for, everything that we believe as Christians is established, settled, and sealed, not just through the death, but through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Apart from his resurrection, Jesus was a good man that died. But because of his resurrection, he was the son of God who died and rose again and conquered death, hell, and the grave so that whosoever would believe in him, the Bible says, would not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. And so today we're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're going to begin a brand new series this morning entitled Out of the Grave. And we're going to talk about this morning the experience of the resurrection and the impact that the resurrection of Jesus Christ has on every aspect of our lives. I want you to understand that when you fully embrace the resurrection of Jesus, you're going to accept something that's going to change every aspect of your life. It's going to change you eternally. It's going to change you spiritually. It's going to change you mentally. It's going to change you physically. It's going to change you the way you look at life, the way you look at yourself, and the way you look at God. And all of a sudden, in a moment, a twinkle of an eye, when you accept the power of the resurrection, something supernatural happens in your life that changes you forever. We're going to see today that through the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of his resurrection, we get to be brand new people in him. Can I get an amen from somebody today? Well, we're glad that you're here. If you're joining us online, we're honored that you're here with us today. Let's look at Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 22. We're going to start in verse 33. And we're going to read through Luke's account of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then we're going to dive in to the fullness of what happened that day. The Bible says, and when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. And an inscription was written over him in the letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And then one of the criminals who hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. And the other answered, rebuking him, said, Do you not even fear God that you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened, and the veil in the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. And behold, there was a man named Joseph, a council member, a good and a just man. He had not consented to their decision indeed. He was from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. And this man went to Pilate and he asked for the body of Jesus. He took it down, wrapped it in linen, laid it in a tomb that was hewed out of the rock where no one had ever been laying before. 
And that day was the preparation. The Sabbath drew near. And the women who had came with him from Galilee followed after, and they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. And they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oil, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. Luke 24, 1 through 9. says, Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Come on, somebody. He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And the third day, rise again. And they remembered his words. And they referred, returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Look at that first point with me today. Jesus rose from the dead. He came out of the grave. The grave is empty because Jesus is alive. The grave is empty because Jesus is alive. I love that scripture there in Luke 24 that we just read. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Just as he said. Amen? And today we celebrate that empty tomb. We celebrate the fact that Jesus rose from the grave. And I want you to see this. Jesus' empty grave is an open door. His empty grave is an open door. It's an open door of invitation to each and every one of us. It's an open door of invitation to the entire world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. The empty tomb is an open door that invites us to come. That whosoever will can come. Whosoever Red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in his sight. And whosoever can come. I want you to hear me today. There is an open door of invitation to you today. There's an open door. God is not looking at you with disgust. God is not looking at you with regret. God is not looking at you wondering a mistake that he may have made. God looks at you with anticipation, with love, with grace, with mercy in his heart and in his eyes toward each and every person. And he extends an open door of invitation. He says, come up here. Come on in because the price has been paid. The empty tomb is an open door. It's an open door of invitation inviting us to come, to experience the forgiveness, to experience the freedom, to experience the reconciliation, to be reconnected to the Father, to experience the love of God, the grace of God, to experience what it means to no longer be abandoned but to be adopted, to be chosen, to be accepted, to be invited in. I want you to understand God has set a place at his table for you. And the empty tomb is an open door of invitation inviting you to come. Whosoever will, come, come, come to me. No longer living in dead places. No longer walking in death and demise. No longer under shame and guilt. No longer living in condemnation and fear. No longer under the burden of this world. There is a liberty and a freedom in Christ that was purchased through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And there is an open door today. 
Because there's an empty tomb. And you can come. You can come. See, the good news of the gospel is that you can come from every tribe and every tongue, every nation and every nationality. You can come to him. And the way has been made. And the price has been paid. And the gift has been given. And whosoever will can come. Not only is the empty tomb an open door, but I want you to see something. I want you to recognize that the tomb literally became a womb birthing brand new life. The tomb became a womb birthing brand new life to those that would believe on him. I love 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at this scripture. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Old things have passed away. What does that mean? It doesn't mean I no longer have a past. It just means I'm no longer governed and controlled by my past. Everybody's got a history, but your history doesn't have to be your story. Your history can be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Your past, your sin, your mistakes, your shortcomings can be put under the blood of Jesus Christ. And therefore, if any man be in Christ, old things have passed away. The sin, the shame, the guilt, the condemnation, the things that you did and the things that were done to you, old things will pass away. And behold, all things become new. What I love about the power of the gospel is that the tomb became a womb that began to birth new life and new beginnings and fresh starts. Think about it today. You can hit the reset button on your life today and you can begin again. You can begin again to have brand new life. You can begin again with a fresh start. You can undo the mistakes of your past and the blood of Jesus can cover you and God can set you up today with a brand new beginning. Not just the rebranding of an old life, but the transformation that brings brand new life. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. That word creation literally means something that never existed before. Man, God has such a power. There's such power in the resurrection of Jesus Christ that not only does your past get forgiven, but your life literally gets transformed. You become something you've never been before. And what I love about the power of the gospel and what I love about Liberty Church is I look around this room and many of you, I know your story, I know your testimony, I know where you've been and I know where you are today. And what I love about the power of the gospel is that you look at people today that are in Christ and you would never even believe who they were before Christ. You never believed they were a drug addict and alcoholic. You never believed they were a liar, a thief, and a criminal. You never believed that they were that person that everybody was watching out for because they would stab you in the back and they'd take from you and rob from you and steal from you. You never believed that they were filled with lust and perversion. You never believed they were prideful and arrogant and driven by greed and lust and jealousy and envy. You never believe it. You look at them now and you see the beauty of the Lord. You look at them now and you see the love of God. You look at them now and you see a new creation. That's never been before. That's the power of the gospel. That's the power of the resurrection. That's the power of what Jesus does. He doesn't want to rebrand your old life. He wants to give you a brand new life. This is not a marketing scheme. This is a supernatural transformation that makes you new in Jesus. Come on, somebody. That's the power 
of the gospel. The tomb became a womb that birthed brand new things. Paul goes on to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, and he tells us how all of this is possible. Look what he says. It says, For he, speaking of God, made him, speaking of Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He who knew no sin became sin for us. God laid on him, the Bible says, the sins of the world. My sin, your sin. My, my shortcomings, your shortcomings. My lies and deception, your lies and deception. God laid on him the sins of the world. And he who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of of God through faith in him that we might have right standing that we might be sanctified justified and reconciled to the father brought into fellowship and favor with God because we were separate from him but now we've been reconnected to him through Jesus amen look at that next point because Jesus rose from the dead we can come out of the grave of sin we're gonna talk about that in depth today you can come out of the grave of shame. We're going to talk about that next Sunday. And you can come out of the grave of sorrow. We're going to talk about that in two weeks. And like Lazarus, anybody remember Lazarus? Like Lazarus, guess what? Jesus is calling us to come forth. He desires us to be loosed and let go from the grave clothes that bind us. John chapter 11, verse 43 and 44, Jesus has come. Lazarus has been dead. He's been in the tomb for four days. He tells them to roll the stone away. Their sisters say, Jesus, he's already, I love the King James, they said, he stinketh. <laughs> he stinketh, Lord. Don't roll the stone away. He's already beginning to decay. And Jesus rolled the stone away. And I heard an old preacher say this one time. I don't know if it's true, but it preaches really good, so I'm going to share it with you guys today. He said the reason Jesus said Lazarus come forth and he didn't just say come forth because if he'd have looked over that cemetery and he'd have just said come forth every dead man would have got up every dead body would have rose because he is the resurrection and the life amen and Jesus said Lazarus come forth and the Bible says look at that next verse look what the scripture says verse 44 and when he who had died came out and when he who had died came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth, Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. Loose him and let him go. Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. Jesus is calling us out of the grave clothes of life. No longer do you have to be bound by your past. No longer do you have to be bound by shame or sorrow. No longer do you have to be bound by the abuse and the trauma and the grief and the sorrow that has plagued your life to this moment. You can come out of the grave. And not only is he calling you out of the grave, he raised Lazarus to life. But not only did he raise him to life, he said, loose him and let him go. See, the truth is, way too many Christians are still carrying their grave clothes, and this is what their Christian life looks like. I'm coming, Jesus. I'm coming. Way too many Christians are still bound by the things of their past. They're still bound by sin. They're still bound by pride. They're still bound by jealousy. They're still bound by insecurity. They're still bound by fear. They're still bound by lust and perversion. 
Way too many Christians have been raised to life, but the grave clothes of sin and death are still holding on to them. The grave clothes of this world are still holding them back. The grave clothes of sin and shame and sorrow have still kept them bound. And even though they're no longer dead, they're not yet fully alive because they're still bound. And I want you to hear me today. Jesus not only raises the dead to life, but he looses us and lets us go. The power of the resurrection is that you can not only come out of the grave, but you can come out of the grave clothes. You can come out of those things that have bound you. You can come out of those things that have, that have, that have, that have restrained your life. Think about how many times you've quit something just to go back to it. Think about how many times you said, I'll never do that again. 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 I'll never do that again just to do it again and do it again and do it again. I want you to hear me today. The power of the resurrection is that you can not only come out of the grave, but you can be loosed and let go. It is not the will of God. Jesus did not suffer what he suffered. Jesus did not endure what he endured so you could stay bound by the grave clothes of sin and shame. He died and rose again so that whosoever believes in him would not perish but could have everlasting life and could have abundant life and could walk in victory. He says, loose them. And let them go. And that's the word of the Lord over your life today. That you would come forth and come out of bondage. Come out of shame. Come out of sin. Come out of strongholds. Come out of those little things that nobody else knows about but you know about. Those little things that if you could overcome that one thing, you know your life would be radically different. I want you to hear me today. There is power in the resurrection of Jesus Christ to not only raise you from the dead, but to set you free from the grave clothes of sin. Loosing and letting go. Because Jesus rose from the grave, we could come out. Look at this next point. Salvation is resurrection. Salvation is resurrection. This morning with Jocelyn, we celebrated the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. We celebrated that through salvation, dead people come to life. Come on, somebody. That through salvation, we are raised from the dead. I want you to hear this. Salvation is resurrection. Everyone needs Jesus because everyone is dead because of sin. But everyone can have life because Jesus rose from the dead. Let me just make it something very clear today. You don't need Jesus because you're a bad person. You need Jesus because you're dead in your sins. Jesus did not die and rise again to make bad people good people. Jesus died and rose again to make dead people come to life. The Bible says that without Christ, you are dead in your sins. Without Christ, you are separated from God. Without Christ, you are doomed to a devil's hell where you'll spend eternity separated from God in a place of torment. Without Jesus, you are dead. Dead in your sins, separated from God and doomed to eternal torment in a place called hell. So you don't need Jesus because you're a bad person. Let me just tell you something. There are a lot of good people in the world today. There are a lot of good people that don't know Jesus. As a matter of fact, I know some lost people that are nicer than Christian people. Y'all don't have to shout too loud on that. We all know it's true. I know some lost people that are nicer than Christian people. 
So you don't need Jesus because you're not good. You don't need Jesus because you're not moral. You don't need Jesus because you're not generous. You need Jesus because the Bible says you're born in sin, separated from God, and doomed to a devil's hell unless you're born again, unless you're raised to life, unless you experience the saving grace of Jesus Christ that raises you out of a place of spiritual death and separation from the Father, and reunites you into intimacy with God so that he who knew no sin became sin for you that you might be made right with the Father. The Bible says we were conceived in sin. We were born in sin. Everybody in this room was born with a sin nature. Think about it. We don't have to, quote, teach our kids to lie or steal or cheat. They just kind of figure it out. Right? I've, I've said this many times. We don't have lying 101 classes. But kids lie. Little kids lie. They think they're going to get in trouble, and you know what they'll do? They'll lie like a dog. They think they're going to get in trouble, and they will lie, and they will lie, and they will lie. And your kids aren't that holy. I've worked with them. Come on, somebody. <laughs> My kids surely aren't that holy. They will lie. We got, we got some grandkids now, and, and our oldest, Xander's almost three, and Jude is almost two. And we, we, are, we are working overtime, right? We're working overtime to break selfishness. You know what I found out about kids? They don't like to share. And it's mine. But it's not mine until you get what I want. Right? You hadn't played with that toy in 20 minutes, but the moment another kid picks it up, you're like, mine? You know what? We didn't teach them that. We're trying to break that out of them. But you know what? They have a sin nature. They have a sin nature just like you and I do that makes them selfish and sinful. And it's all about mine. It's what I want, when I want it, how I want it. And that's a sin nature. And guess what? It doesn't matter when you grow up how moral you are. And it doesn't matter when you grow up how kind you are. And it doesn't matter when you grow up how generous you are. Because if you don't ever get born again and get raised to life through faith in Jesus Christ, you can be a good, moral, generous person who is still dead in their sins, separated from God, and going to hell. And you need to hear that and you need to understand that today because there is a sin nature that says you're dead and you're separated from God. And only through Jesus can you be raised to life. And that's why Jesus died and that's why Jesus rose again. The Bible says he is the first fruits of the resurrection on the Jewish calendar today. Today is actually the feast of first fruits. It's the celebration of the first. And the Bible says of Jesus that he is the first fruits of the resurrection, that he is the first to come, that he set the standard, that he paved the way, that he, that he opened the door, that whosoever would believe in him could come. And we too could experience the resurrection life of Jesus Christ that sets us free. Sets us free. Because the truth is everybody needs Jesus, not because they're bad people. Everybody needs Jesus because they're dead people. And dead people have to be raised to life. And if they're never raised to life through faith in Jesus, then they die in their sin. And they're doomed to hell. And they'll spend eternity separated from God. That's not the will of God. That is the choice of man who rejects a loving God who sent his son to die for us. Romans chapter 5, the apostle Paul lays this out so beautifully. He gives us this amazing insight. Look what it says. It says, and when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. And Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. And Adam's sin brought death, and death spread to everyone, for everyone sins. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
Every person in this room has sinned. You know why? Because you were born with a sin nature. Everybody in this room has sinned because you were born with a sin nature. And you must be born again. You want to know why it's so important for you to have your children and your young people in church? Because they have a sin nature. And it doesn't matter if they grow up and they're moral people. They can be moral and go to hell. It doesn't matter if they're successful people. They can be successful and go to hell. It doesn't matter if they achieve every dream and every goal that you have ever set for them as a parent because they can gain the whole world and still lose their own soul. It matters. The gospel matters. The resurrection of Jesus Christ matters. This is not a good life versus a bad life. This is not Christianity so I can live a moral life. No, this is life or death. This is heaven or hell. This is the difference between where I'm going to spend eternity and where your children and grandchildren are going to spend eternity. That's the reality of the gospel. That's the reality. God did not send Jesus because he wanted us to live good moral lives. God sent Jesus because we were dead in our sins with no hope of life. And he loved us way too much to leave us hopeless and helpless. He cast us a lifeline. And the tomb became a womb that opens the door. For new life to be birthed in the hearts and lives of whosoever would believe in them. Look what Paul goes on to say in Romans 5. Verse 15, but there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this, through this other man, Jesus Christ. And as a result of God's gracious gift, as a result, God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. I love that little phrase. But God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. Salvation is not based on your merit. It's not based on how good you can be. The Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags when compared to the perfect blood of Jesus Christ. And we can be made right with God, even though we are guilty of sin. For all have sinned, right? And come short of the glory of God. Look what he goes on and he says. Verse 17, he says, For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. Even so, greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Through this one man, Jesus Christ. There's only one way to triumph over sin and death. His name is Jesus. There's only one name that can save you. There's only one mediator, the Bible says, between God and man. His name is Jesus. Salvation from death and hell and victory and triumph over sin and this world is only found in one name and one man and his name is Jesus. It's not Pastor Keith. It's not Liberty Church. It's not any church. It's not Muhammad. It's not Buddha. It is Jesus. It is Jesus. It is Jesus. It is Jesus. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no man can come to the Father except through me. By one man. There's not many roads to heaven. Touched by an angel deceived us. Highway to heaven deceived us. There's one way, one path, 
and one way to heaven, and his name is Jesus. Look what the Bible says, verse 18. Yet Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. New life for everyone. I love the word of God. New life for everyone. Verse 19, because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. Verse 20, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. King James says, when sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And verse 21 says this, and just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death. Sin ruled. Think about this. When sin rules, it always brings death. The wages of sin is death. When sin rules in your relationships, marriages end. When sin rules in your family, families find discord and strife and, co- and constant chaos and confusion. When sin rules in your finances, there's, there's debt and there's financial stress and there's financial shame and there is financial struggle. Where sin rules, there's death. When sin rules spiritually in a person's life, spiritual death separates them from God. Relational death, physical death, financial death, all of those things are the result of what happens when sin rules. Sin brings death. And what's powerful about that is it gives us an analysis. It gives us an opportunity to analyze the different aspects of our life. Any area of your life that is abiding under the grave clothes of death is an area of your life where somewhere sin has got a stronghold. Jesus brings life. Sin brings death. And that doesn't mean there's not spiritual attack, and it doesn't mean that there's not demonic attacks that come against us, and it doesn't mean that bad people, bad things don't happen to good people. But here's the realization. You can look at your life, and if you consistently see death, then you can recognize there's an open door to sin. But if you consistently see life, you can see the grace of God and the mercy of God at work. Listen to what the Bible says. Sin reigns unto death. Look at that next part. But now God's wonderful grace rules instead. When sin reigns, it brings death. But now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. How many of you know today that sin doesn't have to reign, grace can reign? And when grace reigns, the Bible says it brings us into right standing with God. When grace reigns, it brings us into eternal life. Let me tell you what eternal life is. Eternal life is not what happens as a Christian when you die. Eternal life is what happens when you get born again and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The word eternal literally means perpetual, continual life. When I was 15 years old, I got born again. And guess what? I started living forever. Jesus, the resurrection life, this is not on the screen, but listen to what he said in John chapter 11. He said, I am the resurrection the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? He asked Mary and Martha. I believe it. I believe that one day I'm going to lay down this earthly body, my earth suit, but I'm going to live forever in heaven. Come on, somebody. One day I'm going to lay down this earthly vessel, but I'm going to live forever. The Keith Hodges that you know and I know and that my family and I love each other, this Keith Hodges, he's going to live forever and ever in the presence of God. And that happened at 15 years old. I experienced eternal life. 
I came into right standing with the Father. When sin rules, it brings death. When grace rules, it brings life. It brings life. Life eternal, perpetual, continual, never-ending life that we can have only, only through Jesus Christ. Look at that last point. Jesus died and rose again to free us from the power of sin. To free us from the power of sin, to loose us and let us go. He did what we couldn't do. He did what we couldn't do. He lived a sinless life. He lived a sinless life. He gave us what we couldn't earn. Salvation, forgiveness, freedom, grace. He empowers us to live a life we couldn't live. I told the early service this morning, every now and then, I just have to pinch myself because I can't believe I get to live the life I live. It's not a perfect life, and we have struggles, and we have heartaches, and we have difficulties, and we have pain. And we walk through valleys, and we have challenges, and we have heartaches, and we have disappointments, just like everybody else on planet Earth. But I look at the life I'm living right now, and I am so thankful that I'm not who I used to be. I'm living a life I could never live. I'm walking a path I could never walk. I'm doing things I could never do without Jesus. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful because Jesus came out of the grave. He calls us out of the grave because he did what we couldn't do. He gave us what we couldn't earn. And he empowers us to live a life we could never live. The Bible says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Giving life to your mortal body that he may empower you to live for him. He called us out of the grave. Romans 6 verse 7. Just listen to these scriptures. It says, when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Romans 6.11 says, so you should consider yourself to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. You should consider yourself dead to sin. See, this is a revelation of teaching that most of us haven't embraced. Many Christians have the philosophy and the ideology that I'm going to constantly struggle with all these sins and all these things until Jesus takes me home to heaven. That is not what the Bible says. The Bible says you can come out of the grave clothes. The Bible says that through resurrection life, you can walk in victory over sin and over death. The Bible says you don't have to constantly live in a struggle. Yes, we're in a war zone. Yes, there's resistance. Yes, there's always temptation. But we can walk in victory. I'm just going to tell you, I don't get up every day and struggle. There are struggles, but I don't get up every day and struggle. I get up every day with the joy of the Lord, knowing that today is the day, that this is the day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. And come hell or high water, I'm going to live for Him. And there's been a lot of hell, and there's been a lot of high water. But God, but God, but God. Look what He said, consider yourself dead to sin. Consider yourself dead to sin, but alive to God through Christ Jesus. Romans 6, listen to what he says. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do the things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. You're free from the power of sin. 
Romans 8, 1 through 3 says, So now there is no condemnation of those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit, the power of the life-giving Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. And the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law couldn't do. He sent His own Son in a body like we, like the body we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end. Y'all say it with me. He declared an end to sin's control over us by giving His Son as a sacrifice for our sins. He declared an end. That's the gospel. That's the power of the resurrection. Not only can you come out of the grave, but you can come out of the grave clothes. You can come out of the grave clothes. You can be liberated. You can be set free. You can walk in victory over the power of sin. Now listen to me today. We still live in the presence of sin. But the power of sin no longer has authority over our lives. We still live in a world cursed by sin, but the power of sin no longer has authority and dominion over our lives. We are not victims. We are victors. We are overcomers through Christ who died and rose again. And you can come out. I want to say this. I believe way too many Christians have believed the lie that I'm just going to always struggle with this. And you know what? The this is for you. And you've believed the lie, I'm just going to always struggle with this. Oh, I've got a lot of victory here and a lot of victory here, and I'm a lot better than I used to be. But there's this one thing, and you know what? I'm probably just going to always struggle with this. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That totally contradicts the Bible. That totally contradicts what Jesus said. Jesus said, the Bible says that he has freed us from the power of sin, that he brought an end to sin's control over our lives. You don't have to live in sin. You don't have to carry the grave clothes. You don't have to have the stench of this world upon you. I'm not talking about a perfect life, but I'm talking about a purpose-driven life filled with the power and passion of Jesus Christ. That's what God offers us today. That's what's available to us today. That we can have victory over sin. And in just a minute, I'm going to have our prayer team come, and we're going to have a time of altar prayer. And if you're here and you're a Christian, I want you to hear me. You're here and you're a Christian, and you, you want to break free. Maybe you've realized today you're not walking in the fullness of that resurrection. You're not walking in that new life that you know God has given you. Maybe you recognize today there's still some grave clothes. Maybe you've realized there's a little wobble in your step. You're not really as free as you want other people to think you are. You're not really as free as you want other people to think you are. But today you want to be free. And I can just tell you today, I think as a Christian, the greatest thing that happens in my life is this beautiful thing called repentance. I'm just going to tell you, your pastor repents regularly. Not because I'm living in horrible sin, I'm not. But because God is always showing me things in my life that are holding me back from living that life He's called me to live. 
And anything standing between me and the best that God has for me is sin. Sin is missing the mark. Think about a think about a think about a dartboard or a target in that little bullseye. Anything outside the bullseye is sin. That's the mark. God has a plan. God has a vision. God has a purpose for your life. And anything hitting that bullseye is sin. It's sin. And the greatest thing we can do as Christians is repent of that sin, acknowledge it. I found out when I acknowledge my sin, the Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I don't have to live with that thing. I don't have to let fear or insecurity or jealousy rob me of the things that God wants to do. I don't have to allow the lies of the enemy to short-circuit God's victory and God's plan for my life. And you don't have to either. So I want our prayer teams to come. And I want every head bowed for just a minute. We're going to open the altar in just a minute, but I want our prayer teams to come. And before I open the altar, I want to do this today. I want to remind you of what we just said a few minutes ago. Salvation is resurrection. Salvation is resurrection. Here's the truth. Everybody needs Jesus because everybody is dead in their sin. And if you've never been raised to life, I'm not talking about you joined a church. I'm not talking about you prayed a prayer. I'm not talking about you shook the preacher's hand. I'm talking about your heart was forever changed. One day you were one way, and the next day you were a a new person. And old things pass away, and behold, all things become new. I mean, salvation is not an intellectual decision. Salvation is a spiritual transformation that happens through faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if you're here today, and you say, you know what, Pastor Keith, I've never really experienced that. That doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means you're dead in sin. Like all of us, Adam's sin brought death, and all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And here's the good news. God doesn't condemn you because of your sin. God sent his son to redeem you from your sin so he can have a relationship with you, so he can raise you to life. And this morning, if you've never experienced that supernatural transformation, today is your day. I'm just going to let you do something really simple. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Keith, today I want to be raised to new life in Jesus. I've never really been born again. I've never really went from death to life. And today I want to be alive in Christ. I believe he died on the cross. I believe he rose again on the third day. And today I want to commit my life to Jesus as Lord. If that's you, every head bowed, every eye closed, just raise your hand all across this building. Today I want to be raised to life. Just a simple act of faith. Today I want to be raised to life. Just slip your hand up right now. This is your opportunity. I don't want to die in my sins. I don't want to be separated from the Lord. Today I want to be raised to life. Today I want to make Jesus my Lord and my Savior. If you're watching online, you can type in that chat box. I'm raising my hand. I want to be raised to life. Right now the Lord's speaking to some of you right now. This is your moment. The Lord reminded me of this before I came up here today. Just just a few minutes before I step up on the stage, the Lord reminded me of a story I heard. A a gentleman with every head bowed, every eye closed, took his daughter to a concert, Christian concert. At the end, they gave an altar call. People went to the altar, and the little girl asked her daddy, Daddy, why why are those people bowing their heads? He said, well, because they're talking to God. And then she noticed that many of them were crying. She said, Lord, why? Daddy, why are those people crying? 
He said, because God's talking to them. And right now, God's talking to you. And right now, there's, there's tears running down your face. And right now, the Holy Spirit is dealing with your heart because God loves you and He sent His Son, Jesus, to die for you. And it's not His will that any should perish. And if God's talking to you today, and today you want to be raised to life, you want to accept that free gift of God's grace, just slip your hand up. Just an act of faith that says, today's my day, Pastor Keith. I want to be raised to life. As hands are going up, our ushers are going to bring a little packet. They're going to put it in. If you'll just lift that hand high, we want to give you some information. I'm about to pray with you, but if you'll just lift that hand high, we want to help you this morning. We want to take that next step with you. This is your moment right now. As you lift your hand, our ushers are going to come. They're going to come. They're going to pray with you this morning. I mean, they're going to hand you a packet. I'm going to pray with you right now. So let's just pray this prayer. I'm asking everybody in the room right now to pray this prayer with me. Let's say it out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again on the third day. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I want to be born again and raised to life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer. A minute from your heart this morning. The Bible says that God heard you. Amen. Welcome to the family. Now, I want to do this right now. Let's just stand to our feet. We're going to go into one final song of worship. I want to encourage you just to hang out with us for just a minute. And for all of you that are here this morning, if you know that you're a Christian, you know you're a child of God, but you say, Pastor Keith, there's another level of life I'm not living. I'm not walking in the fullness of that resurrection. I'm not living that life. I know that God has more for me. And today, I just want the more that God has. If that's you, as we sing this last song, our prayer teams are here. We'd love to pray with you and agree with you. Today is the day for you to grab hold of all that God has. Today is a day of resurrection life. And you can experience that life today as we worship Him this morning.